Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me is the almost mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot days away from inauguration. Congratulations again, and is it, is it getting exciting yet? It is getting exciting. I, you know, I'm, I'm reminded there's a lot of work that we've been doing, but this is an incredibly important moment for me and my family um, and people who have supported us all along. We're just one year removed from announcing the campaign, so I'm really trying to relish these final days before uh, the real fun starts. You have a lineup of city council chairmen now. Can you share it with us? Um, I'm not ready to share it yet, but because um, we're starting the process of reaching out to people and talking to them um, about that, but I'll, I'll be happy to share it once we've um, been able to call through the list. Scott Wagesbeck is your choice for finance chairman. Do you well, have the votes to deliver him? Listen, I, I'm not going to um, confirm anybody yet. You know, things um, can certainly shift. Look, I, I have a lot of admiration for um, for Scott. I think he's able. I think he's smart. He's a the kind of person that we want as a public servant. And look, he's the only one um, of the aldermen who actually supported me um, before February 26, and I'm, I'm not going to forget that. That's going to be worth something. It, it is worth something because he showed, I think, courage. He got a huge amount of pressure um, and blowback, um, not only from aldermanic colleagues, um, but also from powerful union interest. Um, but he stood up and, and did what he thought was right. And of course, I'm always going to be grateful for his loyalty. How, how will he handle finance that would make I, him the good choice? I don't want to speculate about what role anybody is going to have until we've had an opportunity to, to talk with folks. But Kerry Austin has pleaded with you and said, basically, I'll be as loyal to you as I was to Rich Daly and Rahm Emanuel. And she said she couldn't get off the stage fast enough when Bobby Rush uttered those fateful words about people voting for you would have blood on their hands because you were somehow a police sympathizer. Will you forget that? Can you forget that? Look, it's important for us to move on and, and govern in the way that people expect us to, but people have to give account for their behavior. There's a group shot of that stage. She's in it, um, as are a number of other people. So they're going to have to give account for their, their behavior. How do they do that? Well, I think, they, first of all, they've got to give account to their, or their own constituents. And I think that the way that they move forward and conduct themselves as representatives of the people um, will be evidence as to whether or not they're part of that crowd or part of the future of the city. But you're not forgiving so fast. I mean, she says, I couldn't get off the stage fast enough. You don't it's buy not, it? It's not about me for, forgiving. I don't, she doesn't need my forgiveness. Um, what I am concerned about is people who are not clinging to a status quo that has deprived people of services and their right to have access to city government and a government that is working for people, that is legitimate, that is putting people first. That's the measuring stick for me. Are people aligned with those values or are they not? But 
the city council reorganization vote will be your first test of city council mm -hmm. strength. Mm -hmm. You know as well as anyone, you cannot afford to lose that vote. In fact, you probably need somewhere in the 30s to give yourself a cushion and set the tone for the four years. Can you win a vote to deliver the team that you have picked? I feel very confident that we're going to have a good working majority in the city council. I'm not worried about that. You're not worried about a Game of Thrones kind of battle? No. That, I don't that, watch Game of Thrones, but I take <laughs> it it's something about power struggles. Look, uh, politics is an interesting parlor game. What I'm worried about is governance and delivering for people. Um, I feel very confident, based on the conversations that I've had with almost every single alderman, whether we agree or, or disagree on a range of different issues, that we're going to have a good working majority to be able to deliver um, to, for the people of Chicago. Um, disharmony, um, infighting, all of that, that's what this election said. We don't want any more of that. And it's particularly important for cities to be able to be effective and move forward. We have divided government at the federal level. The cities are where the action is going to come, and I'm going to make sure that we're going to drive um, an agenda that's going to address and resolve some of the big challenges that we have in the city, and I hope City Council will come along with us, but I'm, I'm not going to be steamrolled by folks who are clinging to a pass that hasn't worked for the majority of people in the city. But Alderman Beale and others have said that if you pick Scott Wagesbag as finance chairman, they will not vote for him they don't feel he works well with others. How do you Look, react to there that? There are some people who, who feel like the best way to communicate is to bloviate in the media. That's not how I'm going to conduct myself. If people want to have a private conversation and express themselves, that's one thing. But I'm not going to take the bait from people who are, I think, acting really inappropriately um, in the media. Do your job. Represent your constituents. Show integrity. That's what people should be focused on. But what about the issue of that Scott Wagesbeck not working well with others? Look, Do you I, buy I, it, I, I, or is I, that I'm not going to I'm not going to get into that narrative. That you had I've I've read your reporting. You've had one or two people that actually put their name on it, and I and and I I think I've responded as to what I think about that. Any other person who doesn't have the courage to put their name on something, I'm not going to I'm not going to bend to that. I want people who are going to deliver for the people of this city. I'm not um, interested in people who are only about personal gain, personal um, benefit. And uh, many of the people that have put themselves out there on the record or otherwise are people who are upset because I'm going to change the status quo. This is not about dividing up the spoils of government for oneself. That is antithetical to what uh, the change that I'm going to bring to city government. So yeah, they're worried, they're nervous, and they should be. And you want them to be. They're going to be because I'm going to blow up all the old concepts about using city government to profit oneself. That is not what voters um, have voted for. That is absolutely antithetical to any notions of good government. So yeah, people who have profited from the old system absolutely are worried. I've got vendors all across the city who are nervously calling people, wanting to get a meeting with me. If I could just explain. I know who these people are. I know how they've operated. And we are going to wipe the slate clean and move forward in a completely different direction. you care to name any of them? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> all the manic prerogative. Yeah. You're going after licenses and permits. You're leaving zoning alone for now. Are you going to rewrite the zoning code to change that too? We will. Yes, you will. We have, and tell, we have us, to. tell us why. 
Because, because of, for a number of reasons. Number one, no alderman, no single person should have a unilateral veto right over any and everything that goes on in his or her ward. That's not democracy, right? That's a dictatorship. And we have to change that. Number two, look at the stream of aldermen who have found themselves in trouble, who have been prosecuted uh, by the federal government, my old office, the U.S. Attorney's Office. The unifying theme there over decades is the abuse of aldermanic privilege for personal gain, shaking down people, pushing people to do things that they otherwise not, would not do just to get access to basic governmental services that they're entitled to as residents and taxpayers. That is the corrosive effect of automatic prerogative. And one other thing that I would add is we've got big citywide issues that we have to tackle, affordable housing being one of them. We can't have 50 different fiefdoms deciding these citywide issues. And what I've heard from residents whether it's small business people, mid-market, even some of the larger, most powerful business interests in the city and ordinary citizens is, it's too complicated. I feel like I've got to move from here to here to here. It's impossible to do business in the city of Chicago. And a lot of it, at the root of the cause, is automatic prerogative. Right, but you're going to rewrite the zoning code to do what? We're gonna, How do you get at we're gonna, we're gonna affordable rewrite, housing? We're going to rewrite the zoning code to, to eliminate um, the automatic prerogative. There's a little pieces of in the uh, municipal code that still require automatic approval for basic um, functions of city government. We're going to change those, um, and we'll be proposing an ordinance that um, deals with that issue um, either at the first city council meeting or or the second one. On zoning. On, on the pieces of the municipal code um, that um, allow for an alderman to have approval rights over things related. Uh, to zoning. We'll change that for sure. So do you need to rewrite the zoning code or are you going to do something short of that? I, I think that we can tweak it in a, in a way. It's more the municipal code than the zoning code, um, but we're still hammering out the details with our lawyers, but we'll make a fulsome proposal um, in an ordinance change to, to City Council. Don't you have to rewrite the zoning code in order to make affordable housing a standard that they can't block on whim. No, I, I, so we, we need to change the affordable requirements ordinance. Uh, we need to push developers to do more. But fundamentally, the city doesn't have a unified policy regarding affordable housing. You know, we're down conservatively about 120,000 units. Um, the city only has a line to build about 336 units. That's a gaping um, gap between what the need is and what's coming online. So we will be working with community-based developers, we'll be working with commercial developers to come up with a specific plan. Um, we'll be announcing um, soon uh, our housing commissioners, um, a housing commissioner I should say, um, and we'll be moving forward on a real plan to make sure that we dig down deep and look at every lever that we can use in city government to solve this issue of affordability. People are leaving the city for a number of reasons, but one of them is they don't feel like they can afford to live here. And particularly when it comes to families, there are very few units that have come online in recent years that actually can accommodate families, and we've got to change that around. But you're going to strip aldermen of some of their power over zoning, or right. all of it, which? Yes. All we're, of it or some of it? Well, we're going to, we're anywhere where aldermen have a unilateral right to stop a project or move a project forward, that's what we, we're going to get at. 
and you don't know, it will be by executive order or zoning code? Well, we're going to start with the executive order on Monday, and then where we need to make code changes, we'll uh, propose okay. those code changes. Now, you've chosen the CFO of the Chicago Public Schools to be your CFO at City Hall. I haven't Hall. confirmed that. That's that's something that, that was in the Jenny news. Jenny Wang Bennett? We, I have not confirmed that, and we're not going to Can confirm Can you confirm that. it now? We're not going to confirm. We're not going to confirm who our finance team is at this point. But you've said that the situation is more dire. How much more dire? What have you learned that made it so dire? Well, I, I think that there have been pieces regarding, so there's a lot of pieces that roll up into what the, I'll call it the, the budget deficit is for next year. There's the pensions, of course, there's a structural deficit, there is um, payment of the debt service, we still have police, fire, and, and teachers contracts um, that back are outstanding. Um, that, so that back pay. So there's a lot of things that roll up into that number. And, and settlements. Number, and uh, Yeah, it's you know, my favorite thing to, to talk about. So when you roll all those things together, um, the number is large, and it's much larger than the current administration um, has acknowledged publicly. I don't want to say right now what we think the number looks like because we haven't even taken office. We've got to get in. We've got to look at the books, scrub our, uh, scrub our with our team, and really look um, at what, what the drivers are of that cost and then work on, and we are working simultaneously on some possible solutions, but we really got to know what the number is. And we, don't, we have a sense of the range, but I, we don't have confidence yet until we get in and look at the numbers ourselves. But Carol Brown told me, and she's the current CFO for Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who apparently you mm -hmm. asked to stay, but she's that's, going that's, on. But First of all, that's not accurate. It is not accurate. That's you not, did not ask her to no, stay? I mean, we, we, what we did when we started is we, we did an assessment and we reached out to everyone to understand what their plan was. There was no one who specifically asked Carol Brown to stay. She made it very obvious from the very she beginning went. that she was leaving. So I'm not sure why that was reported that way, but that's not how it played out. Okay, so, but anyway, if, the, if it's so much bigger, why is she saying we've been very upfront? We haven't hidden anything. Um, we would beg to differ. You think they've hidden things? I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that the number that we understand, based upon information that they provided, has not been socialized in the public, meaning it has not been disclosed. It has not been. If it had been, you would have reported it. Every other uh, media outlet would report it. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the number is far bigger than this administration has um, disclosed to the public. And what will that require you to do? We're going to have to make some hard choices, and we're working on a range of possible solutions. Well, I mean, but locally, locally, where will you look first to taxes? I mean, Scott Wagesbeck is saying <clears throat> go down to Springfield and ask them for permission to levy a service tax on Chicago, you know, people like attorneys, accountants. Would you do that? I'm not going to uh, talk about possible solutions until we have a better sense of what the number is. We have a big range right now based upon information that we've been provided to date, what we've been able to, uh, to glean. I think I owe it to the public to wait till I get into office, actually look at the finances, and then be able to understand the magnitude of the challenge that we face. Then we'll be in a position to be able to say, here's, here's some p potential solutions. But what should Chicagoans prepare themselves for? Don't you need to tell, I mean, are we bracing ourselves for another round of painful cuts in tax increases? It sure sounds that way. No, I, I think that we give us an opportunity to actually get in office, figure out what the number is, and then we'll come forward with some very specific solutions. Look, it's no secret that we've got a significant pension issue. That's, that absolutely has been out there. It's the magnitude of the challenge that I think we have to understand, get a firm handle on, which we will do starting day one. 
Should the pension funds be merged? I don't know what you mean by merged. Well, in terms of each one having a separate entity, you know, well, that's one of the proposals yeah, that's been out I, I there. Th I think one of the things that we have to think about is it doesn't make sense to me, for example, we have four pension funds. Every single one of them has a separate administrative function, separate investment function. I've, I have asked my team to look at ways in which we can uh, consider consolidating those functions. Now, the individual pension funds would still be able to make their own investment decisions. They would be able to make own, their own decisions regarding benefits. But just adding layers of administrative bureaucracy that cost a lot of money that's making some people wealthy but isn't being put into um, the retirement funds uh, for uh, those separate pensions, that doesn't make any sense to me. Should there be one board overseeing all of them? Well, we're, we're going to look at a range of different options, but I, I, anything that we do, we're going to have to sit down and talk to uh, the relevant organized labor um, stakeholders to make sure um, that we are working hand in glove with them to come up with a solution. But certainly one of the things that I'm gonna, we're going to look at is pressing for consolidating these administrative functions that are duplicative um, and waste, in my view, waste money that could be put back into the pension funds themselves. Ten billion dollar borrowing for pensions that Mayor Rahm Emanuel <coughs> proposed. He said you could save yourself several hundred million dollars in tax increases the first year budget if you did that. Talking, will you look at it again? You're, you're talking about the pension obligation? Bond? Yes. Will, look, you, will we, you look at that? I don't think that that's a realistic option. I, I don't. We, we have looked at it. We've talked with the current team um, about that. I think that there um, are some structural problems uh, with bringing that kind of a product to market. I just don't know that it's a viable option. And it's, it's risky. If you look at where pension obligation bonds have been uh, tried in other jurisdictions, Stockton, um, California, Detroit, Michigan, and we've done it at the state level, um, they have not been successful in, in, in some instances in Detroit and Stockton. They've actually backfired and caused a fairly significant uh, financial um, distress. But I think at this moment, it's all about timing, it's all about the market. I don't think we can bring that product to market. And, and the risk, um, I think, is too great for us. Taxing retirement income? <clears throat> Rahm Emanuel suggested that on his way out the door yeah, as well. Yeah, Rahm's talked about a lot of things on his way out the door. Uh, again, we're not going to do anything that um, causes a burden on retirees. Um, and anything that we do, we're going to do at the table with our um, friends and organized labor. The parking meter deal <laughs> I wrote about just last week when you were in Washington, uh, they made $136-odd <coughs> million. They basically made their money back. Yeah. Uh, will you go back into that deal? Will you go to them and say, guys, you've made your money, give us a break? We're going to look at it. Uh, why? We have, we, because I think we have an obligation to look at it. I mean, you know, my lawyer's curiosity says I want to take a look at that deal and see if there's something that we can do. Um, it has not been a good deal for the taxpayers, which is, to put it mildly, the fact that they've already made their money, what are we, 10 or 15 years um, into it, maybe a little bit longer. Um, says to me that that was not a good deal for the uh, underscores, that it was not a good deal for taxpayers. So I, we have to like look at it. Whether or not we're going to be able to do anything about it is a different question, but I feel an obligation to take a look at that and see if we can uh, craft a better strategy for taxpayers in the city. It's just, it's like this this, this uh, burr under your saddle keeps rubbing and rubbing, and people realize every time there's reporting um, about the windfall of money that they've made, at a time when we're in such financial distress, we have an obligation to take a look at that deal. Will you do it by going to them and saying, <clears throat> guys, come on, you've made your money, give us a break, or will you go to court? Because you could 
joined forces with Clint Chrisloff, the attorney who sued and was opposed by Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. Well, which way will you do it? Well, I think the first way we have to start is have our lawyers take a look at the outlines of the deal and see where we have um, any kind of options. That's where we'll start. Every football team <laughs> has a scripted series of plays, as you know. You're mm -hmm. a football fan, you're a Bears fan, so am I. Uh, what is your script for the first hundred days? What are the things you absolutely <coughs> are going to get done? Well, first of all, the most important thing that we have to get done is make sure that we keep our city safe. You know, we, we're taking office on the eve of Memorial Day weekend. I've been spending a significant amount of time not only talking to the police department, but also um, our executive agencies to, to underscore that they all have skin in the game. We, we know based upon um, past um, data and experience where we believe that the potential hotspots are going to be over that weekend and across the summer. <clears throat> so what we've been focusing on and what I've been challenging our team to do um, is to, in a sense, flood the zone, making sure that we are providing um, good, healthy uh, uh, activities and programming and resources for people in those communities, particularly on the west side. Um, making sure that we are smart about um, what the hours are where we expect that there's going to be the most problems and, and, and providing um, resources there. Um, but getting the city government to work in concert and coordination in a way that I think they haven't um, been pushed to do in the past is the first step. Okay, but that's one thing. I'm talking about legislatively. You want to do, pass this, 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 <coughs> and this in the first hundred days, let's say. Well, look, we, we are looking at... Minimum we'll, wage, for example. Well, what we're looking at, and we will roll out um, specific plans. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Obviously, there's going to be a focus on good government. There's going to be a focus on looking at and addressing, I think, the oppressive um, ticketing and fining um, structure. How, how will you do that? Well, we, we have been looking at um, what the process is. We've been looking at um, what we can do to give relief. Um, Obviously, all of these issues have uh, financial implications, so we're trying to make sure that we strike um, the right balance. But we have to bring relief to people. We're looking at the red light cameras um, issue. Um, we'll be making, yanking them out, some well, of them out. I want to. Uh, what I've said, and, and I think is the smart way to proceed. Let's do an audit and look at where they're actually needed for safety and where they're not. Then I think we've got to look at decommissioning those. I'm mindful of the fact that the city just recently re-upped the contract. Uh, with a red light camera um, provider, um, but we're going to be looking looking at that for sure. Um, How can you afford to forfeit that money? Big <coughs> money. Look, in looking at this whole rubric of ticketing, taxing, and fees, what we're doing is we're driving people into bankruptcy. That means that they are not able to provide um, resources to the city through taxes. We're taking people's driver's license for non-moving violations. There's a You're whole booting their cars. We're booting their not only just booting their cars. In the last seven years, fifty thousand cars have been taken from people and sold. How is that fair? How does that aid the economy? How, how does that fit into a growth strategy? It doesn't. So. Again, we're going to be smart and thoughtful, but that is one of the things that we're absolutely um, going to tackle um, in the first 100 days. I, I think that that's a critical piece of bringing equity and fairness uh, to people in the city who feel like the government takes from them, provides roadblocks for their success, but does very little to enhance the quality of their life. We have to do that. Are you going to raise the boot threshold? We haven't, I haven't um, been presented yet with a plan 
that says, okay, we should be doing this, this, and this, but we're looking at everything. Everything is on the table. How many red light cameras are too many because they're not for anything but <coughs> money? Um, don't know that yet. We, we, we're Dozens? We're, well, I don't know that yet. We're waiting for the, for the audit. But we'll, that is one of the parameters that we're looking at is if we're not using these cameras for actual safety and it's just a revenue generating exercise, that's a problem. The 16 committees that we have, a lot of people criticized Rahm Emanuel for not eliminating more and yet you're mm -hmm. going to add them. Yeah. Why? Because I think that there are things that we need to get done um, at the city council level. Um, so we're going to be looking at adding a couple more additional um, committees. But you're going to cut the finance budget. And my colleague, Mick Dumke, did a very interesting... Man, you have lots of good information. My yeah, we, look, some of these budgets don't make sense. We're absolutely going to right-size them. Um, because I think, one, there's some on the one end of the spectrum, you have um, uh, the finance committee that has a budget of at least... It's more than dollars. that with finance yeah. general yeah. and all these hidden yeah. things. That's why I said at least. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make any sense, particularly now that we've um, taken away uh, the workers' compensation function. Um, and then, then the next highest budget is, um, is the, the budget, budget committee. committee. That's again on paper um, five hundred sixty thousand, but I think it's much bigger than that. Um, and then you've got drop down. I think it's human resources that only has ninety three thousand dollars as a budget and I look at the we've been looking at the employees and some of these committees um, if the if the numbers are accurate and that's their only job they're not even making minimum wage so how does any of that make sense so we've been very thoughtful and intentional at looking at the numbers looking at the mandates of the commissions looking at the employees um, and what we're going to propose is I think budgets that make sense given where we are um, and given what the functions of these various committees are. Aldermen use their committee <clears throat> employees to do ward work because they don't have enough workers. Each one has three employees. That's not enough to get the volume of work done at the ward level. Will you give aldermen more <clears throat> employees and right-size that function so they don't have to steal from the committees? Well, I'm not sure that that's um, entirely accurate, but we, at the committee level, um, we're not going to have um, budgets that don't make sense, that aren't commensurate with the actual function and activity of these committees. Um, there are some committees who barely meet. There are committees who meet just to pass resolutions and aren't actually doing any substantive work. And we're burning taxpayer dollars on that. And that people don't show up at them. Well, the, 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 one of the things that we're going to do is provide money to make sure that city council committee meetings are televised. Okay, so that will force them to fill those empty seats then. Maybe It'll it will. embarrass them? Maybe or? it will, maybe it won't. But it's not about embarrassing them. It's about opening up government and making it transparent to people in the city who are funding the government. They have a right to know what we're doing and what we're up to. The Aldermanic Menu Program is a treasured program that they absolutely love. It's <laughs> $66 million. Will you keep it? Yes. Will you change it? Well, um, you take some things out of there. No, we're not going to change it, but one of the conversations, we're not going to change it for this cycle, but one of the conversations that we've been having and we will continue to have with aldermen is um, how can we make that program more effective? What I've heard from a lot of aldermen is they're increasingly forced to use their menu money on activities that traditionally were borne by the executive committee. So that's a conversation that we need to have with the aldermen and the infrastructure departments to make sure that we get that right. 
and <coughs> the department heads that Rahm Emanuel has, will you keep any of them, or are you going to clean so, yeah, sweep it out? No, some of them will be staying for sure. And who are we talking about? For example, some of the big ones, aviation. <coughs> Amy Ree is presiding over a gigantic O'Hare expansion. Will you keep her? Will you keep that continuity? So I, I'm not w prepared today to announce who's going to be staying. But uh, you asked specifically about Jamie Ree. I've known Jamie Ree since she was a lawyer at the Ohio Modernization, Pro Modernization uh, Project. I have a great deal of respect for her. I think she's an excellent, excellent leader. Um, and um, again, I'm not willing to announce today, but I, my feelings about her are very well known. Uh, and I think that we will work very well together. Other holdovers? Uh, people that you feel really belong where they are? There'll be, there'll be some holdovers. Um, and I wouldn't call them holders. I think these are good, able public servants. Um, we've done a very thorough scrub of the entire cabinet, and we'll, we'll announce um, in the coming days who we hope um, will be staying. The ride-hailing drivers want relief, and you've promised some. Uh, you've promised to even the playing field with taxis. What specifically will you do to make that right? Look, we don't have a fully baked plan yet, but again, that's something that will be uh, and, and my hope is that something we'll be tackling in the first hundred days. We have a completely uneven, uneven playing field. Taxi cabs are being driven um, out of business entirely. The medallion has been significantly devalued. And um, anybody who travels in the central business district at any point during the day knows that it's almost impassable. So we've got to get a handle on the amount of volume and traffic um, that's coming into our city. We have people coming in from Indiana, Wisconsin to drive rideshare in Chicago who uh, travel on our roads, um, make money here, take it elsewhere, pollute our air, and pay us nothing. That's going to change. So are you going to ban out-of-state out vehicles or uh, are you going to tax them more heavily? Well, I think we're going to have to look at a lot of different options. We're looking at New York in particular um, that is, I think, taking some significant steps um, in addressing the rideshare challenges there. Um, but we have to make sure that we've got a system that um, is fair, a system where the regulations are appropriate, and that people are paying their fair share. Will you do it through a ceiling on licenses, a ban on out-of-state vehicles, or a higher fee, or all three? We're looking at a, a variety of options, and, and when we're ready to disclose the specifics, we'll certainly let you know. I've been looking at old inaugural addresses, mm -hmm. and it, uh, I remember Harold Washington mm -hmm. saying, business as usual in this city will no longer be tolerated. Mm -hmm. And it occurs to me there's a great parallel between you and him. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, those words touched off council wars. Mm -hmm. Are you worried about that? Is there a parallel between the two of you? Look, I think there are some parallels, but I don't want to try to compare myself um, to the great late Harold Washington. Our city was in a very different time when he arose, and he, I mean, he broke through so many doors and ceilings um, and ignited, I think, a passion for change in the city that I absolutely um, am the beneficiaries of. I had a lot of people that have come to me over these last few months and harken back to those times of Harold Washington. But I do think that the city is in a very different place. I mean, look, I'm a black female lesbian married with a kid. This would have been inconceivable not that long ago. Um, and I am somebody who nobody set, right? I'm not part of the political machine. Also inconceivable not that long ago. So I think that that's to the credit of our city. I think it's to the credit of people um, all over who voted for change. 
um, and are enthusiastic and optimistic in a way that um, they maybe haven't been um, in quite a long time. So um, I'm excited um, as I'm days away from uh, taking the oath of office. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very emotional moment for me. Um, I hope that my speech um, is worthy um, of the moment, and we're certainly trying to make sure that it is. Um, but I stand on the shoulders of lots of pioneers, like Harold Washington, like Jane Byrne, um, who were outsiders to some extent and fought through very difficult circumstances to rise to the top of the leadership of the city. But we are in a different place now than we were back then. Congratulations and enjoy the moment. Thank you. Okay. And we'll see you all next week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.